started here today, it's important that we make an acknowledgement of where we are. We're here on the Multnomah and Clackamas Chinookan people's land. The stolen land of the Multnomah and Clackamas Chinookan people, specifically right here. Those people, these people, have stewarded the land from time immemorial. And we must acknowledge that we are here on, we are here settled on stolen land. We must take that message to every podium and in every table discussion to remember, as Palestinians, we will always stand with you in your struggle for decolonization. We thank you for allowing us to be here. It is easy to believe anything when you ignore history and the voices of the oppressed. It is easy to accept the unacceptable, the atrocious, when you dehumanize the victims of atrocity. It is easy to claim you did not see what is plainly in broad daylight when you actively uplift and support the mechanisms that place the veil before your eyes. That ignoring that dehumanizing, that veil, is for you to live easily while our people are ripped from our lands and livelihoods. That ignoring, that dehumanizing, that veil makes it easy for you to actually participate and support the uprooting of our people. It has always been about one thing in the U.S., to aid in imperialism everywhere, because it is easier than not. We're here today, as we have always been as Palestinians in the diaspora, here to make it difficult for you to remain silent. That's right. Difficult, difficult to go back to your ignoring and your claims of ignorance. Al-Nakbe, an Arabic word that means the catastrophe, has been memorialized in Palestinian hearts and minds to describe the events that occurred between 1947 and 1949 in order to create the Zionist occupation state of Israel, which declared its colonialist occupation one sovereignty in April of 1948. Between 1947 and 1949, upwards of 800,000 Palestinians were forcefully displaced, fled for their lives, lost their homes, their land, their livelihoods, their dreams, their future dreams, as the fledgling occupation state violently sieged and occupied over 400 villages across Palestine. At that time, Palestinians found themselves landless, houseless, and without agency, seeking refuge in the still unoccupied parts of Palestine, in Jordan, in Syria, and other parts of the Arab world. They walked with their possessions, holding and supporting their elders up, carrying their children, many recently widowed due to the massacres, seeking refuge wherever it may be. They found tent camps, temporary accommodations, and for many, only the never-ending road. 
the fate of 1948 Palestinians, as we call them, was in the hands of others. And their trajectories and displacement was diverse. For many with hands full of the few heirlooms they might have been lucky enough to grab, especially keys to their homes, which they harbored a hope to return to. This was the last time that they saw their beloved land. Them and their future descendants would never see Palestine. Us Palestinians commemorate and mourn the losses, but we also resist the illegitimate narrative of the occupier today. We do so every year, Nakba Day. Today you will hear stories of the Nakba and what that means to Palestinians here in your city, what they and their families experience in relation to the Nakba, but also how they continue to experience it. I want to express something before our speakers tell you their stories. In actuality, the, the Nakba did not begin in 1948, and it never, ever ended. I mentioned history just a moment ago, and its importance not to ignore. I won't go too, into too much detail now because the information is there. It's, it's in plain sight, it's easy to find. The CSPP actually exists for the exact reason. And if you live in the city, you have liter a literal reading library and a learning center to pursue that labor, which is yours to do. And we will happily support you to do that. Well, what I will say is that not, between 19, the, is that the 1947 to 1949 mass grab of Palestinian land and the establishment of the militarized occupation state was only made possible due to over 50 years of European colonialist planning and enabling beforehand. Planning and enabling, like the British evangelist calling Palestine a land without people as early as 1841 despite the complex and thriving Palestinian people and their relationship to the land. Planning and enabling like the British military serving, surveying of Jerusalem and its surrounds in 1867, and the Palestine Exploration Fund, which pumped London wealth into colonialist aspirations and further surveying. Planning and enabling like the appearance for the first time of USA involvement as early as 1881, with the Blackstone Memorial and clear support for Western influence in Palestine, signed by hundreds of financially and politically powerful USA citizens and presented to President Benjamin Harrison. Planning and enabling, like the Zionist Congress assemblies that begun as early as 1897 and eyed Palestine, as well as Uganda, for the future site of a Zionist state. Assemblies that were hosted in European countries despite the violent and belligerent aspirations of the Viennese spokesperson Theodore Herzl. And the monumental planning by the British and the underhanded inheritance of Palestine through the Sykes-Picot Treaty in 1916 and the audacity of the Belfort Declaration in 1917 that declared Palestine open to the creation of an occupation state. A declaration agreed upon in Western meeting rooms. A declaration through which Palestinians lost their homeland without any say in the matter, literally while they were asleep. In the 30 years following the occupation, the displacement, the ethnic cleansing came in waves, constantly and increasingly. And since 1948, 
For 73 years, it has continued to do so. It's important to realize that the Nekbe, the very process by which we are discriminated against, dispossessed, displaced, brutalized, and murdered, is the same in every event that Palestinians experience in occupied Palestine at the hands of the occupation state. And in every event, we Palestinians resist, we fight for liberation, we struggle to decolonize, and persist in our indigenous existence. resist events like the 1967 Nexa, or, or we resist within events like the first Intifada of 87 through 93, or in the second Intifada, and every instance of incomparable violence towards Gaza. Gaza, who has been blockaded since June of 2007. Gaza, where, absolutely, where an absolute military strangulation and an inhumane siege by air, land, and sea has caused thousands of innocent casualties and is the cornerstone of punishing the Palestinian people for resistance and self-defense. Now, I ask you to listen to the stories. Listen to the stories and the voices of Palestinian people. Free, free Palestine! 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 Our first speaker. Hello everyone, my name is Hannah Zohar. My pronouns are she, they, and I'm a Palestinian who has grown up in Portland. And a member of the who are organizing around Islamophobia, militarism, state-sanctioned violence, and the alarming rise of fascism in the U.S. and around the world. I want to tell you today about my family's stories, about the village they lived in Palestine, and the generational impact of settler colonialism. My family comes from farmers in Yaffa. The village of Al-Abbasiyah was covered in rows of olive trees and orange groves. In Al-Abbasiyah, land was central to life, as it was all over Palestine. The land nurtured us, fed us, sheltered us, clothed us. We cared for it and it cared for us. In Palestinian villages, we lived collectively. Your neighbor was someone to borrow a cup of sugar from, a babysitter, someone to have tea with, a source of protection. My great-grandfather was the mayor of the village during the Nakabeth. From what my grandmother has told me, he loved his job. He was a person people went to with problems, big or small. And it wasn't that his position had dictative authority or final say in all matters, but we were able to utilize everyone's strengths and knew everyone's needs so we could all survive and thrive together. They protected each other from the settler and state violence caused by Zionist settler colonialism that was invading from the East. Racist Zionist mobs attacked the village over and over again to scare the inhabitants into leaving. There were car bombings, grenades thrown into houses, and Zionist mobs broke into homes to kill and displace the families who lived there. The horror. The same horror 
recorded and shared by the descendants of 48 and 67 refugees. The Nakba is ongoing and the U.S. is funding it. In May 1948, an Abbasi was ethnically cleansed of Palestinians. All that is left of the village today after settlers destroyed it is part of the village mosque and a Nabi Huda shrine. The village was taken over for and by settlers to make it their traveling through routes easier between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. My great-grandfather was responsible for making sure everyone in the village was able to escape and they headed east towards safety. Everyone had what they could carry in a wagon or in arms as they walked from Yaffa to the Jordanian border. All the village people thought they would return in two weeks. That's what my grandmother always told me. They held the keys, they had everything. They barely took anything with them because they knew they were going back. No one thought they would be locked out of their homes or forced to live in exile as refugees in Jordan for 73 years. Not only were they starting anew, but Zarqa Jordan was a much bigger city than Al Abbasiyah was. And my family and the other people from the village had to adapt to an entirely new way of living in the world and in relation to the land. My grandmother once told me that my great-grandfather in Jordan, just a few months after settlers displaced them, realized everything was gone. He wasn't mayor anymore. He had the skills of a farmer and a relationship with the land that he mourned. This wasn't a small village where everyone knew each other and survived together. He had the keys to his home in Palestine, but he couldn't go inside. In 1970, the Jordanian government became an active resistor against our growing liberation movement. They kidnapped and jailed all the Palestinian men in Jordan and kept the women and children in houses. My grandpa told me there would be hundreds of them locked up together with no access to food or water or clean bathrooms to make sure none of the Palestinian men were able to fight back. Outside of those houses and jails, the Jordanian government was bombing to weed out weapons in residential buildings. My maternal grandmother was nearly killed twice by Jordanian soldiers during this time. Once a Jordanian soldier violently grabbed all the Palestinian women and children, rounded them up outside, and pointed his weapon at him. The only reason he didn't shoot was because another soldier called out his name and asked for help. The second time she almost died was when she had to escape the house with others in the middle of the night to get to safety. And a Jordanian soldier found her escaping and put a gun to her back as he questioned who she was and what she was doing. She had to lie and say she was Jordanian, that her husband was also a soldier. She tells that story honestly with a lot of laughs because she had actually gone back to the house to grab her jewelry because she was a newlywed bride and she did not want that to go to waste, her new gold. The Nakba is ongoing because we know that the Zionist state does not just want to displace us from our land but to ethnically cleanse our people. This is why my great-grandparents and grandparents were forcibly removed from their homes and villages and why my grandparents were subjected to so much fear and state violence in Jordan. My mom remembers when you saw older Palestinians from 48 in Jordan, everyone was in mourning and there was a numbness. Nakba is ongoing because we have been repeatedly displaced from every place we might have found a refuge and have been left with no homes at all. In Jordan, my mother remembers the fear of being caught and the pain of being without a home was present in every living room, classroom, and masjid. My mom used to tell me that living right next to the Zionist state, she often went to bed thinking, are they going to come for us again? They did win in Jordan for decades, but there's a striking pain from knowing you can't go home because an occupying army and their henchmen will not let you. When I went to Jordan and learned more about my people's history, what she lived through became clear to me. 
My grandparents were physically present, but their hearts and minds were in Palestine. That was also the first time that I knew our erasure was not going to be as easy as our oppressors had hoped. A goal of Zionism is fragmentation. Fragmentation of unity and pride in our country. While the US, Israel, and its accomplices conduct a media blackout on the protests and uprisings happening in occupied Palestine and globally, uh, globally in solidarity, our scattered siblings in Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon have been running to the Palestinian border, returning 73 years later to a home we have might have never seen, but we know we belong to. They are fighting and organizing against one of the most well-funded militaries and settler states in the world. The Zionist state uses Palestinians in Gaza as a captive population to be massacred in retaliation of the colonized and the oppressed rising up. The Nakba is ongoing because my parents grew up in Jordan, missing a home they've never seen. The Nakba is ongoing because this settler state has thrown its full weight and support behind it. This country does not want us, nor do we want it. That isn't an uncommon feeling among Palestinians. To be nomads globally and for your roots to have never taken so root, for your roots to have never taken root in foreign soil. People are choosing genocide and apartheid over people's lives. People are choosing to empower the US war machine and it, and it all comes from the same roots of white supremacy. Zionism is white supremacy and white supremacy creates the greed and apartheid that values profit over the rights of people and land. I'm sharing with you stories of what my family went through during Nakba because we must take action against Zionism and settler colonial violence. We must heed the calls made by the Palestinian civil society to boycott, divest, and sanction Israel. We must organize around unequivocal support for Palestinian struggle and liberation and resistance in all its entirety.
From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Today we are finally seeing what in some ways is a collective waking up. And it's important to thank where thanks due. The struggle for black liberation has always been the leading edge of increasing global awareness against injustices everywhere. It is no coincidence that the calls for justice over the past year in the wake of police brutality in this illegitimate country has increased people's awareness about the Palestinian cause. And we stand with the struggle for black liberation always 100% as Palestinians. Your phones bring you images and videos of the latest bombings in Gaza. They bring you images and videos of the brutality at the Al-Aqsa holy site in Jerusalem, the occupied capital of Palestine. Your phones bring you videos of the resistance to forced displacement in Sheikh Jarrah and the uprisings all over Palestine. Will you continue to ignore history and the voices of the oppressed? Will you continue to accept the unacceptable and dehumanize the victims of atrocity? Will you continue to claim you did not see what is there in plain sight? I think the veil has been lifted, in part, and now it's back to the question of ease. We're going to have a next speaker now. Uh, Zohair, are you ready to go or someone else? Zohair, here we go. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Zohair Salim. I lived here for about 35 years in around Portland area. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you very much for showing up. I'm so proud of you. So proud of the young people. I want to go. Sh I want to share just some history to where our disaster started from the very beginning, and I'm going to run through it really quickly. But I want to know how many people know what that bill for promised. Can you raise your hand if you know what that is? Yeah, there's a whole about half of the crowds here. That's where our disaster in 1917, November 2nd, actually, England decided to uh, just give uh, the Palestinian land to somebody else uh, once they won the World War I. Uh, and that's really where the problem started. We, you know, we had a lot of Jewish people in Palestine from day one. Uh, there was no difference Jewish or Christians or Muslim. Everybody lives in the land, everybody farmed, did their thing. Uh, and then they just, you just got some people and then just grew from 9% to like 37% in, in, le in less than 10 years. Uh, and then it becomes a problem. 1948, uh, not that old, but uh, 1948 where they declared uh, Israel as their own uh, uh, land and their own country. And we went to uh, the Nakba. So the Nakba started in... To the you know 1917, it continues to go on. Okay, sorry. Um, 19. This whole thing started in 1917, and generation after generation in 1948. So my parents 
were living in Beersheba, which is in the south of Palestine. Uh, and that is where uh, my grandfather uh, got kicked out in 1948. He immigrated to Gaza. And then my father had to leave Gaza in 1967 just because there's another Nakba that came in and they took the territory. And then I had to go to Saudi Arabia to live because I got kicked out. And guess what? Saudi Arabia wasn't any better. And uh, uh, I got also sent in here so I live, to live my life. So as a Palestinian, and I'm sure all of you identify with this, you just, every generation gets kicked out of where they ever put their roots in, and then the Palestinians, we never get back. So any person that declares they're Jewish, they can go back to Israel any time. As a matter of fact, they can take somebody's house. However, if you're a Palestinian and you leave there, there's no going back for you. And that is really where apartheid comes in. It is really people, you know, people have the power to take other people's rights and other people's uh, right to live in their place and, and, and prosper. And it continues to go on and on and on. And the, uh, I don't know if there's an end to it, but the only way you can end it is with this, with this group, with this resistance, with this, with you telling people we are not accepting it. We have human rights, and we go in America about, about fighting for human rights. But it comes to the people of Palestine, and we stop. We somehow stop that, because everybody, we always vote for the human rights, but we see the Palestinian kids, and we just look at them for a little bit and go. I'm not talking about this group, but the general population, and, uh, and just we, we just accept that, you know, they're defending themselves. I keep hearing this thing constantly about Israel is defending itself, but never Israel had actually invoked this whole thing. That isn't in the, in the news. It's always about defending itself. The Palestinians don't have the right to defend themselves. They're just shooting uh, uh, things and, and uh, you know, throwing uh, rocks, and, and we're the troublemakers, and Israel is just defending itself. And that is not the truth. The truth is, they are not defending themselves. They're the oppressors. I don't want to take you too long, but I am fourth, I have fourth generation. This is here, my next generation, and I'm trying to teach her one thing. Palestine will always be there. Will always be there. She will carry the flag. She will be one of those people that free Palestine, all and her children, her, her children. We will continue going all the time until that land is back in our hand and we can live like we lived for a long, long time. Thank you very much. Thank you for showing up. Repeat after this one. From Palestine to Philippines, stop the U.S. war machine. From Palestine to Philippines, stop the U.S. war machine. From Palestine to Philippines, stop the U.S. war machine. 
Before we go on to the next speaker, there was over 400 villages that were depopulated in 1947 to 1949, and I wish that we had the time to say every single one of those villages' names. But I'm going to say the 28 villages that constituted around the Ake subdivision lost 47,000. 47,000 people were depopulated from that area. That was 28 villages. And in the Beersheba, Be'erseba, in the south, 19 villages totaling 91,700 people. Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Our next speaker is a newly arrived Palestinian to our city. Please welcome Sada. because every time I went to go write something, I sobbed. And I don't do that often. Um, I wanted to tell you about my grandfather's story, who can't be here today to tell it. <laughs> he grew up in a town called Sidna Ali, next to Yaffa. He lived a wonderful childhood where he went to swim during his recess because it was so close to Medi the Mediterranean Sea that he could swim during his recess, which is something unheard of here. Um, the Nakba, what it means to him, is taking his family in the middle of the night in two doses to go to his aunt's house because the Israelis were about to bomb his house. It means the Israelis bombing his truck on the way to Kalkilia and him, his hair turning white at the age of 14. He broke his kneecaps and nearing the end of his life, he was getting worse at walking. Freeing Palestine means to me is going home. A home I've never been able to go, but a home that lives in my heart. See, even talking about it makes me shake because it makes me so angry that I can never visit. At the age of 14, my mom tried to enter Palestine. She was denied the right based on stereotypes. Everybody else in her family was allowed to go in except her, but she was not allowed to. If the Zionist system isn't white supremacy, supremacy, I don't know what is. It breaks my heart every time I have to go on Instagram and see my people being tortured. It breaks my heart every time I have to go on Instagram and see another child killed. It makes me want to break into a thousand pieces when I hear that my people will never be free. But they will. They will prevail. And Palestine will be free! I want to thank everybody for coming today. It makes me so happy to see so many people here today. Thank you. In the Beisan sub-district, sub 19,000 people displaced out of 40 villages. And all throughout Gaza, 
numbering over 60 villages, 80,000 people were displaced. Repeat after this, please. Justice is our demand, no peace on stolen land. Justice is our demand, no peace on stolen land. Justice is our demand, no peace on stolen land. I think right now, if we could have uh, Wa'il. Wa'il, if you're ready to speak, please. My name is Wa'il al-Asadi, and... Um, I want to speak today on behalf of my grandmother, my teta, who is in Syria right now, a refugee. She's 87 years old. And on behalf of my daughter, Zaina, who all these years later is born, she's one years old. And my family was from Safad, uh, in the northeast of Palestine. My family... Safad was surrounded, it was isolated, and it was bombed from the outside. My grandparents had to leave on foot. And one of the ways in which they instilled fear in the hearts of people to get them to leave, because people were resisting, because people do not want to leave their home, whether it's 1948 or whether it's 2021, is that they burned down the village next to Safad, in full view of everybody in Safad the Zionist forces at that time to scare everyone to leave as they were bombarding. And my family left. My teta ended up in Syria. My grandfather lost his mother and his sister in the process because of exposure to the elements as they walked on foot, leaving their homes, leaving every single thing behind. And that story doesn't end then because that generation was dispossessed of their homes, and for those of us who were forced out of Palestine, they were left without documentation, without a home. For my parents and their generation, who grew up in Syria, who grew up in Lebanon, who grew up in Jordan, who grew up around the Middle East and around the world, and were left without a state, without documentation, subject to being removed from wherever they were. My father and my mother had to leave Syria because of my father and their activism in solidarity with Palestine. And for those who have organized here in the United States, their children's children, who have gone on campuses, who've gone to universities, who've said we have to boycott and divest and sanction Israel until it ends its human rights violations of the Palestinian people. The Nakba is ongoing because they call you anti-Semitic if you demand your very basic rights and put you on blacklist. But people will keep on fighting, and thank you to all the organizers who put this event on and focused on history. The focus on history is important because they want to shut that away. They want to say it's a complicated issue. It's not a complicated issue when you ask any Palestinian that is in this arena here about what happened to their family in 1948. They want to say this is simply a legal eviction, but every single Palestinian life in this room puts lie to what that, that, that is an eviction. We have a name for years and years and years of evicting people from their homeland. It's called ethnic cleansing, so let's call it by its name. 
And for those whose memory is only one week old who point to the bombs coming out of uh, Gaza, bombs of a people that are in despair, who are in the largest open prison in the world, we say one thing to them, the people who are under occupation, who have been assaulted and ethnically cleansed for years, have a right to resist. And we know they lie about their worry about violence. Because when we say this country can end things overnight by stopping their billions in weapons and support for Israel, we call that the boycott divestment sanctions movement. They attack us. And I've been to many demonstrations now for 15 years, and it's, it's, I, I think there is something different happening today. What's different is not the absolute depravity of the Israeli state's actions. That has continued. Our parents, our grandparents um, know about that, and we have been to many protests uh, to, to, to resist this. But what has changed, it feels like, is the level of resistance of the Palestinian people, who I think are waking up again after years in every single part of the Palestinian population. We are seeing protests in the West Bank, in Gaza, inside of 1948, the Israeli citizens of Palestinians, which is scaring them, because they say that Israel is a democracy, but that is putting lies to that, to that, that is showing how big of a lie it is. And I will just end with this. The Palestinians are resisting. People in Baghdad, Baghdad are out. In Iraq, people in Jordan are out um, in, in defiance and people across the United States, and what we do here matters. The United States is the single largest backer for the Israeli state, militarily, economically, morally, and shame on Biden for vetoing that resolution saying that Israel needs to stop. Shame on the Biden administration that the only thing out of their mouths as children are being killed is that Israel has a right to defend itself. But that is not the only voice out there. There are our voices in the streets, and there was Rashida Tlaib, the first Palestinian woman in Congress, who gave a beautiful speech in the street. Not one more penny to the Israeli state until Palestine is free. In Haifa, northwestern subdistrict, 60 villages were depopulated, totaling 120,000 Palestinians. In Hebron, which we say Khalil, 16 villages with 23,000 people depopulated. Repeat after this Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Long live 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 Palestine!
Intifada! Não é de Intifada! Intifada, Intifada! Intifada, Intifada! Let's have um, Jad, wanted to say a couple words, please. Hello, everybody. You know, I didn't prepare anything when I came here. I had only one thing to say, you know. Martin Luther King once said, a man dies when he refuses to stand up for what is right. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for justice. A man dies when he st refuses to stand up for the truth. The United States is supporting Israel because of what? Money, power, and that. But we are here because we're not slaves to the money. We are here because we are people of dignity. And we will stay people of dignity until we die. Thank you. In Janine, the Janine sub-district, eight villages, 4,000 people. What I haven't mentioned in the past sub-districts sub that I mentioned to you were the massacres. So I'd like to go back because that's part of the, what has happened to us. In Be'er Seba, we underwent one large massacre. In Akke, eight massacres. In Beisan, one massacre. In Gaza, six massacres. Haifa, ten massacres. Khalil, two massacres. Yeah, it's on there. We're going down. Next speaker, before we go to the next speaker, let's again say, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Please welcome Ruben. everyone I just wanted to thank you all for coming today I wrote this speech while I'm in tears and I hope I can complete it as of right now a Palestinian man called Muhammad Hadidi met his two-month baby, the only survivor for his family that killed an Israeli airstrike, which bombed the family home in a refugee camp in Gaza last night. Muhammad's wife and his four kids were killed in the massacre. He saw his wife and his kids in pieces. 
What sin? What sin were they killed for? What sin were they killed for? It was Eid. They were still wearing their Eid's clothes. In 1948 was the Nakba, and today we're living it all over again. Israeli Zionists are acting like Nazis. Come and get me. I'm a Palestinian woman and I'm here. Come and get me. I'm speaking the truth. You are not going to tell the world what to believe and what not. Stop the crocodile tears. We are Palestinians and that is our land and we have nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose. We will resist until our last breath. Palestinians and especially Gaza doesn't have an army, does not have an army. Israel is sending an army into Gaza to, find, to fight people who literally do not have an army to fight back with. What war is this? This is not war. This is genocide. Yes. They wanted us to live in peace, but that's not happening. It all started at the beginning of the holy month Ramadan. Exactly one month ago, Israel blocked off access to the Al-Aqsa Mosque for Palestinians and nearby settlers. They were supported by the state who, who were also trying to forcibly steal Palestinians' home in Sheikh Jarrah, as you all know, as, and as you all saw the videos. Sheikh Jarrah, which is home to 3,000 Palestinians that would make an entire families homeless in a pandemic. So this colonial violence has been happening because both Israel and settlers know that their state allows them to carry weapons and assault Palestinians in their, no in their neighborhoods and their own homes, in their own homes, in front of children, women. Let that sink in coming into your own home, peacefully, sitting there and kicking you out, using weapons and guns, terrifying the children, and you don't want us to, and you don't want us to fight back? What is this? I want to say the last thing. There's a million things to say, but this is the last thing I'm going to end up with. We will do everything, everything to take care of our mosque, to take care of Palestine, to free Palestine. But they come to us while peacefully praying using steel bullets coated with rubber. They fire tear gas into the mosque and lastly throwing white phosphorus. Do you guys know what white phosphorus is? 
throwing it in the, in the homes, throwing it at children. Children are it's burning, their faces are burning. This, it's internationally, it's internationally illegal white phosphorus. Free Palestine. Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! From the river to the sea! From the river to the sea! Palestine will be free! The 36 villages that make up Yaffa, 123,000 people displaced in two massacres. The six villages and cities that make up Jenin, 4,000 people massacred, 4,000 people displaced in one massacre. Remember, this is just in 47 to 1949. Next, we're going to have Dr. Hnedi speak about uh, something that she's working on. Oh, actually, first we have an Arabic statement. An Arabic statement to be made. Khadija. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Arab or not Arab, Palestinian or not Palestinian, Muslim or non-Muslim, thank you for coming here and uh, standing up for Palestine. Sammy, I'm sick of my shit. Then I'm a Simone, I'm a Lemon, and I'm having a cut of sack for a kid. I have a hip hop. 
يقول لك اخرج انا ساسكن في هذا المنزل الان نعم هذا ما يحصل في الشيخ الجراح قبل قليل قلت لكم القوانين المفروضه على الفلسطينيين عندما يخرجون الناس من هذه البيوت اين يجب ان يذهبوا يسافروا خارج البلاد ممنوع يسافرون بين المحافظات ممنوع ماذا تريدون ان يفعلوا في غزه يوجد تقريبا 200 مليون شخص في مساحه اصغر من 150 كيلو متر مربع ولانهم لا يستطيعون السفر خارج غزه يحتاجون لمباني كبيره مباني سكنيه طويله ليتم استيعاب العدد الكبير في غزه ماذا يفعل الاحتلال الاسرائيلي الان يقوم بقصف هذه المباني الكبيره لقتل اكبر عدد ممكن من الغزاويين طبعا سيذهب المسيفون لانقاذهم من يستطيع لانقاذ من يستطيعون انقاذهم وياخذونهم للمشفى ماذا يفعل الاحتلال الاسرائيلي يقوم بقصف المشافي التي تعالج الجرحى هذا احتلال قاتل ارهابي يتهم المدنيين العزل بالجرحى بامتلاكهم السلاح نعم هذا جزء بسيط جدا مما يعيشه الفلسطينيون جوجل قامت بمسح اسم فلسطين من خرائط جوجل وتغييره لاسم اسرائيل وتم مسح محافظه غزه من خريطه اسرائيل نظام اندرويد الحديث قام بحذف علم فلسطين من الايموجي الولايات المتحده تجدد الجوازات للفلسطينيين ولا يسمح لكتابه اسم فلسطين على جوازهم يجب ان يكتبوا اسرائيل فيسبوك وانستغرام يقومون بحذف المنشورات والصفحات والهاشتاجات التي تفضح جرائم الاحتلال يقومون بتقليل عدد الاشخاص الذي يمكنهم رؤية المنشورات الداعمة للقضية الفلسطينية يريدون ان يمحوا حقيقة وجود دولة فلسطين ويفرضون على الفلسطينيين التقبل من الاحتلال الاسرائيلي في الختام اريد ان اختم بعدد الضحايا لهذه الحرب حتى الان الاجمالي 140 شهيد الأطفال 39 شهيد النساء 22 شهيدة والمصابين أكثر من ألف جريح البارحة تم إبارة عائلة كاملة لم يبقى منها إلا الأب وطفله الرضيع البارحة كان هناك شخص صور الجرحى والشهداء القادمين للمشفى انصدم بوجود اثنين من أخوانه ضمن الشهداء لم يعرف ماذا يفعل صديق لي في غزة قال لي لا تقلقي علي نحن لا تقلقي علي اذا حدث لي شيء هناك هناك من سيخبرك بذلك تم اعتبارات عوائل كثيره في غزه في الايام الماضيه تحدثوا انشروا فضائح الاحتلال اذا كنتم خايفين من الموت تذكروا انكم ستموتون على اي حال هذه هي سنه الحياه اذا متم بسبب وقوفكم على الحق ورفضكم الظلم ستموتون موته الشرفاء اذا متم وانتم ساكتون على الحق راضين بالظلم على غيركم هذا يجعلك انت والظالم في نفس المكان كانك انت من قتلت ايضا لا تشارك في جرائم الاحتلال عن طريق سكوتك عن الظلم قد تقول المنشورات والهاشتاجات لا تفيد لكني اخبرك بانك خاطئ هذه هي حرب الكترونيه اذا كنت غير قادر على المشاركه في الحرب برا فهذه حرب الكترونيه لا تقول انك لا تستطيع هذا ابسط شيء ممكن ان تقدمه انقذوا حي الجراح غزة تحت القصف الآن اقرأوا سورة الفاتحة على جرواح جميع الشهداء
Free Palestine! Free Palestine!